from the big screen to the small screen and everything in between. This is the Screeners Podcast, where all media is appreciated, but none is safe. Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the Screeners Podcast. My name is Chris. This is Chad. I'm Josh. And I'm Daniel. And we're back again to talk all things media. I'm really excited to dig into this episode. But before we do, I wanted to invite everyone who's listening to go to our Facebook page and react. Uh, Give us a thumbs up or comment. Let us know what you thought of this episode or any of the previous ones. We really do want to make this, uh, this podcast as good as we possibly can. And so we want you to help us in that endeavor. So head to our Facebook page and let us know what you think. We're going to dive right in to our Super Bowl commercial reactions. Yeah! Jump cut, jump cut. Cut, cut, cut. Jump cut. So as Chris has now adequately prepared us uh, for this week's Jump Cuts, we're going to be talking about our Super Bowl commercial experience for 2017. Every year, the ad agencies around the world roll out the big bucks and all the big guns to uh, get their material in front of an audience of well over 100 million viewers at a high premium cost. And it's wonderful, sometimes funny, sometimes moving. And so what I thought we'd do tonight is go around and talk with each one of the screeners and just ask them if you had any memorable commercials, anything stick out to you one way or the other. So first, let's go to Daniel. Daniel, you are living in Atlanta um, you've been there for a few years, and so mm. we're in a sort of mourning, I think, at this point. Yes. The greatest uh, collapse in the history of sports, but let's not get Choke. into that. <coughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> so uh, to keep it in lighter fare, did you have any commercials that you that you thought stood out to you one way or the other? Uh, just a couple. I mean, honestly, I have very little say about the commercials. I feel like they're they're getting more and more emotional as opposed to funny, which is fine and all. It just I don't care as much. Maybe because I'm dead inside. I don't know. But uh, so so there <laughs> are only lines. so there are only a couple that uh, that stood out. I love the Squarespace John Malkovich commercial. I've 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 been seeing that for a couple weeks now, so it wasn't new. But I just think it's a great commercial. So I thought that was hilarious. And then, you know, a couple others, like the Mr. Clean is, of course, a, a standout because that was just so random and unexpected. But the thing we have to talk about here is um, the Pirates of the Caribbean trailer. Did you guys see that's that one? That's the thing we have to that's talk about. That's what we have to yeah. talk about. That's, that's, what what okay. that's the important because one. They, it, it looks okay, I suppose. I don't know why it's no. being made, but it looks no. whatever. But they completely ripped off the Logan trailer. Like it, it was. They took oh, a yeah. cast song. It was the exact same. That's true. Thing that is funny. I couldn't yeah. believe when it was coming on. I was like, "Are you kidding me right now?" Like Logan has one of the best trailers in recent memory. No doubt. And then they just stole it completely. It was a Johnny Cash song over a silent montage. It was the exact same thing. I couldn't believe it. So I just thought that was a joke. But yeah, that's that's that was my most visceral reaction, I suppose. <laughs> you say? saw that and you were offended, huh? You were offended the the, the gall of those yes. uh, those folks uh, well, over at Disney. What's huh? the saying? Imitation is the highest form of flattery. Sincere form, form of flattery. Yeah, but I mean that yeah, that trailer is like what a month old, two months old. I Plagiarism is the sincerest just... form of flattery. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah. yeah. And then yeah. the rest of the night, I was just disappointed at the game, so yeah, no I, I was distracted. Okay, well, Josh, you know, not I don't know that a lot of our listeners know that one of the things that you do that brings us great joy, although you haven't done it as much in recent times, is you will very often 
either live tweet or on your Facebook, do live commentary for things like award shows. And because pop culture is so near and dear to your heart, with yes. the Super Bowl, I have no doubt that you have uh, lots to say about what you loved. What do you got? Well, I appreciate that glowing introduction. Um, <laughs> like you said, I haven't really done it in years, partially because I have trouble actually being able to sit around for a live event anymore since I have a, a toddler running around the house. Maybe that'll change in a couple years. I did have some thoughts this year, but overall I agree with, with what Daniel had to say. I, the Super Bowl ads used to be a real highlight of the night. They used to be funny and entertaining, and it's been a good three, four years since we've had more than maybe one good ad per per year in the entertaining side. Now, there have been some good emotional spots, um, some good almost, I guess, thought pieces. I'll get to that in a second. I think my favorite as far as just entertaining commercials go, and this is kind of a sad commentary on where this, where the Super Bowl landed, was the It's a 10 um, hair care spot, which was, mm. huh. was really funny. I didn't see that one. <laughs> oh, you should go back and watch it. Uh, it was, that one is actually pretty funny. Yeah, it's a, it's a make fun of Trump spot, but it's a make fun of Trump spot that also happens to be well shot. And yeah, it's, it's for a hair care line, so you can imagine. Or maybe you can't. But well, I mean, yes. I mean, now that you've put those two things, Trump and hair, I mean, that, okay. All right. Yeah, I understand. There you go. Okay. Yeah. All right. I'll go back and check it out. <laughs> go watch it. Okay. No, but so the main thought that I had this year, it this year put me in a very very strange place because suddenly I am proud of corporate America in some way cuz there were ugh, let me just count a good 5 or 6 spots from major brands that were directly confronting um what's happening politically in the country and it was it was kind of strange to see like it and you know that the companies are out to make a profit so if they're doing that that means that they have they have their finger on a pulse that's completely separate from what's going on in the political sphere and it's really it was really kind of interesting to see so some of the ones in that category are of course, 84 Lumber, who half of their ad yep. got rejected by Fox, yeah. and you have to go watch it online. There was them. There was Aldi with an ad out from left field about equal pay. There was Airbnb, um, Honda. Uh, let's see. What am I forgetting? I think there's one more. Budweiser. Budweiser, Budweiser obviously. Yeah. yeah. So all those like major companies put together like coming out against a lot of things that are happening in society was really interesting to me for sure. And they were, I would say they had varying degrees of success as a, as an ad. But, oh, sure. Uh, sure. It, it's funny to me, the, the Audi one I thought, and I guess it's just part of my, part of my naivete, I, I, I guess, but it was good. But then I thought, is this controversial? I mean, I know it is, but it, it's kind of like there was a, there was a commercial, I think last Super Bowl or maybe the one before that, where it had, an African American baby and a white baby that were from a mixed couple having Cheerios or something like Cheerios, that. Cheerios, yeah. Yeah, and it was like this big online thing. And when I saw it in real time, I was like, oh, that's beautiful, that's sweet. And then it was like a big thing. And so I just, it, 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 I can't understand how some of those things are actual issues, but it, you're absolutely right. This is this is a strange time to, to, to see these companies that are interested. Let's, let's make no 
you know, they're they're interested in money. Just come right out and and lay it all out on the on the table. So I, you're right. That was definitely interesting. Chris, what about you? I know you were uh, you actually had your anniversary on uh, yes. on Super Bowl Sunday, so you didn't get to watch the stuff live. You, Not you at all. Played the role as a good husband as you should. But have you had a chance to catch up on any of these? Well, first, let me just say, it's not just a good husband. I wasn't really interested in seeing the Super Bowl, period. It's not my thing. I know. Um, I'll be very interested in seeing the Oscars, but the Super Bowl has just never been. And those two teams, honestly, I could care less uh, about both of them. I know you guys, you know, living in uh, Atlanta, your hearts have been broken. But for me, whatever. I I heard it was a good game. (laughs) I wish I didn't (laughs) care. (laughs) You you sound like you're still trying to get over the pain. That's what you still sound like. I am. it was it was interesting uh, for me watching these because I had to seek them out. Uh, usually Hulu, for some reason, Hulu this year doesn't have all of the ads just available. So I had to like go to different websites. And uh, so I don't even know if I've seen all of them. But of course, the controversial, quote unquote, controversial ones um, I watched. Honestly, OK, so the 84 Lumber thing. Um I'd heard of 84 Lumber, but I feel like they did that just to be controversial and just to get all of this. It just feels like you said, Josh, like they're looking to make a money. This is uh, these brands are looking to make a splash. And this year, how do you do that? Oh, yeah. You go out and be political. And I feel like that's what these are. Just nothing but a money grab for me. Like watching these out of context of the game, I felt very how do I say this? Just, I felt like jaded almost like these people, they're just doing this to, to be controversial. So that the next morning, that's what's being talked about is, you know, 84 lumber and Budweiser and Airbnb and Audi do these quote unquote controversial things. But honestly, like I I didn't feel like other than just trying to be controversial, I didn't think any of the ads were really Great. I think the best one of them were was the Budweiser one. I thought that was kind of kind of clever. It was definitely well shot. It was well made um, and then made a point. You know, if you wanted Budweiser, you have to rely on two um, immigrants. Like I felt like that made a a, a good point. Uh, I like that, that the brand and the idea of of an immigrant uh, were one and the same. But the others felt a little disjointed. So those were, okay, whatever, that's fine. My favorite of the night, I think the one that, or at least of the day today, the one that made me actually laugh out loud. And I really thought it was great. Great was, uh, buy, uh, the drink. Yeah. Um, uh, that was, that was hilarious. Uh, that was really clever. Yeah, like that. Uh, that, uh, that was fantastic. That was Bye-bye. Fine. No, no, no. It was it was the only one that I I mean, I watched all of them in order out of context, just just boom, 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 boom. And that one for me was, I think, one of the best. The Honda commercial with the the high school. Oh, the yearbook. Yeah. The yearbook, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. The yearbook thing. That was that was pretty clever and good. But I think also so by probably is my favorite laugh of the night. And then Stranger Things two trailer was probably my other favorite uh, thing of the evening. So yeah. uh, I don't know. For me, it was pretty disappointing. I don't I don't know if I saw all of them. So maybe I'm missing a great deal many. But the ones that I did see saw like either they were kind of trying to go for a shocking point and be controversial or they just weren't funny um, and kind of missed the mark. So for me, it was really just a mediocre mix of, uh, of stuff. So I don't know. It was kind of disappointing, honestly. Just Google Verizon BDSM, and I'm sure some great stuff will come up I for you. I did see that. No, I did see that. Not those were horrible. Those were terrible. I did. I did see those commercials, but I, did, I was just like, again, like, 
I don't know. I just think they all they fell flat, man. A lot of that stuff just fell flat for me. Anyway, well, I will give two counterpoints or food for thought items to your um, cynicism. And I know me countering cynicism is a great irony. But, <laughs> so two things. Um, one, Airbnb um, has actually followed up their ad campaign with a pledge to provide housing or temporary housing to I think it's like a hundred thousand people, refugees slash people in need. So sure. that's that's backing their ad up with something, and also. It, but say, that's still, I still think that's advertising. If I'm being, if I, it's it's a business. It's not like they're doing that so that just to be just to be nice. They're doing that so that you. Like, this is the same thing that I heard with like Lyft and Uber. Like the reason why Lyft gave all that money to the ACLU was so that people would delete Uber and download Lyft and use Lyft. It's a business move. They're businesses. I'm just saying that that... Sure, but it's just, a double-edged sword. I mean, I mean, they're still doing good things. So sure, of course they're trying. They're a company, but, you oh, know... Okay. Right, sure, go ahead. Go ahead, Josh. They're just still, they're still a company, though. They're not a person. Interesting that we're talking about the founder tonight. It's good. It's good. I know, oh, right? It is. It is. This all goes straight into uh, to all this. Absolutely. It's a, it's a topic. Well, my other thing was just that... Um, you're right. In in some senses, you could consider it a crass move, but at the same time, it has to be carefully calculated because you know Starbucks's announcement that they were going to hire all these refugees sparked you know a, a boycott campaign and re- retaliation. So these brands have to bank on the fact that public opinion is actually on their side, that they're going to come out ahead on this gamble. And so that's what I think is actually interesting in the whole thing that they have made. They've made that craven calculation my, said, my argument still come out ahead because the public is on our side right but my argument would be that none of them did anything that was so controversial that 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 a, a huge swath of people would just reject them completely like i don't like again like the budweiser ad i think is trying to say hey listen two immigrants did this just think about that it, they weren't trying to make a point about like I, honestly I just, I just think that they they didn't go far enough is I guess would be my thing. Like if, if you're going to do something and you're going to be quote unquote controversial, then just go all the way in. But I don't think they are. I think they're, they're kind of on the fence. They, they want to be one thing, but also I don't, I don't think they're going far enough in that direction. If I'm, if I'm just being so like the 84 lumber thing, I, I feel like I've never heard of that before. And the reason why they, they did this was, and, and they tried to go all out and then they got quote unquote, I, I wonder what the story is about them getting censored by Fox. I don't know if that it, Fox refused to run their ad. Like I, I heard the, I heard the ad executive who was in charge of the campaign being interviewed. Is that true though? Like that, that's the thing. Like I, I, again, like this is just me. Like I just wonder, like they make this ad and they know, okay, this is going to be, Ooh, you know, it would be a really good story is if we did this <laughs> and then they gave us notes like, Hey, people might be offended. And they're like, <laughs> okay, whoa, saying, Hey, we can't do this anymore. So we're going to, I'm just saying that's a because that's all I heard on my Facebook feed was this 84 lumber ad being rejected by Fox. I didn't even hear anything about the game. I heard about this 84 lumber thing. So for me, it was they just crashed their if, website. As a matter of yeah, yeah. I'm saying, and you never heard of them before. So I I have a feeling this was a calculated business move by them. And either way, they won. Like the, now, people under. I mean, Nobody that ever heard been talking about 84 lumber ever in the history of that entire company. And now suddenly millions of people are, and it was a good, it's a good business move. It really is. They're, they're being, uh, they're, they made a, a good, uh, a good bet on that, whether they win or lose, as far as public opinion goes, people are still talking. So yeah, there it is. Yep. And here we are. So Chad, how about you? Well, 
I do I do have to agree with the overall feeling that it feels as, as if the last two or three years of the Super Bowl, the commercials have just been overall disappointing to me. I feel like they they forget that funny really works or they attempt to be funny and they're not. But this year, I, honestly, I, I thought the NFL babies was cute, The where they had the babies that were dressed up as Super Bowl babies will be made tonight. I, I kind of smiled a little bit. The, the Cam Newton one where he was pushing down the little football players was cute. But overall, I didn't, I didn't, I think the Budweiser for me from a quality standpoint was probably my favorite, honestly, Yeah. because it was beautifully shot. And I, I think the message was, was clear and received, but done in an artful way. I'm terrified of that Humpty Dumpty taxes thing. That <laughs> thing looks horrible. That thing was fantastic. <laughs> it, yeah, was. it was so I good. Was like, good <laughs> Lord. Um, which I guess if you're doing like, I don't even remember what was it, TurboTax, if it's TurboTax, what? you got to bring attention to yourself. So I thought that was clever. But overall, yeah, I was pretty disappointed. I didn't I didn't really ever have a true laugh out loud moment and like, wow, that that's a really a real winner. I'd say overall I give it a C and that and that that's about it. And I think you guys have hit the nail on the head with your discussion about messaging and how it is viewed by some people and how it's viewed completely the polar opposite by others. So welcome to America. So hey, there's uh, one one thing I forgot to mention. Uh, if you're if you're done, Chad, I don't want to cut you no, off. No, go ahead. I didn't catch this on the air. I read about it after. Um, did you guys see he, see or hear about this Cards Against Humanity yes. ad that they did? That is freaking hilarious. I wish I had seen it uh, live on TV. But uh, yeah, so for those of you who didn't see it, I guess they aired a 30 second commercial of a potato with the word advertisement written on it. And nothing else for 30 full seconds. No music, um, no anything. Nothing. And so they did it so that they could write this whole long blog post about why our Super Bowl ad failed. And it's basically just Fake making news. fun of. <laughs> it's just making fun of the, the ads. It's making fun of the Super Bowl. It's making fun of advertisements in general. It's hilarious. So uh, now hang on just a second. So I saw this. Did it? Did that actually air? No, that's not a real commercial. It's all. I never saw it. No. It did not. Okay, air. good. All right, I good. It, I, oh, oh, really? I thought it no, actually did air. No, no it didn't. That's air. why it's great. It's they took fake news. They're meta about fake news. <laughs> they made their own fake news, and it totally worked. I've seen it in my <laughs> my Facebook feed and on Twitter okay, multiple good. times. Multiple. Yeah, times. when when I saw that today, I was like, I don't understand what I'm reading because uh, I didn't see it on the day, and I was like, I'm just I'm just going to ignore this. And then maybe it'll be sorted out later. But okay, all right. So it did not actually air. No, they were just making it up yes. and pretending as though their their thing failed. And okay. and, and that their point even goes, uh, you know, another layer deep in that they they're not getting as many eyeballs. But I guarantee you, they move the needle a lot with no you know no investment, no major investment on their part. And if you haven't seen it, you should definitely look it up. It's it's really it's very funny, very funny. So, all right, all right, yeah. guys. So overall, I think we're all kind of meh. Um, except for Josh, who actually is the hopeful one, which who could Man. have ever foreseen that? Josh oh, I quit. has hope. <laughs> and Chris is the cynic who, I mean, cats living with dogs, folks. Uh, so with that, let's move to our main event. Welcome to the main event. All right. And for our main event, we'll be reviewing The Founder. I know what you're thinking. How the heck does a 52-year-old over-the-hill milkshake machine salesman build a fast food empire with 1,600 restaurants at an annual revenue of $700 million. One word, persistence. There should be McDonald's everywhere. Franchise the damn thing. Mr. Crook. Franchise, franchise, franchise. 
McDonald's can be the new American church. And it ain't just open on Sundays, boys. The IMDb description reads, The story of Ray Kroc, a salesman who turned two brothers' innovative fast food eatery, McDonald's, into one of the biggest restaurant businesses in the world with a combination of ambition, persistence, and ruthlessness. Uh, it's directed by John Lee Hancock and stars Michael Keaton, Nick Offerman, and John Carroll Lynch and many others. It's been uh, six months ago. I, I would have told you that the founder had a really good shot at some Oscar nominations. Uh, it's got lots of Oscar nominees behind it, uh, both in front of and behind the camera. Uh, but it really got no Oscar talk at all this year. And it was just kind of quietly released late January. But... Nevertheless, it's our main event tonight. So, yeah, I want to hear what you guys have to say about it. Let's start with Chris. Chris, what did you think of The Founder? Yeah, uh, so I actually quite enjoyed this movie. Um, I thought uh, it was an interesting film, and it makes me want to, as just all good biopics should do, makes me want to go out and actually learn a little more about Ray Kroc. You know, as growing up, uh, as many of you, I'm sure, did, I went to McDonald's a lot, but frequently every once in a while. And I'd always see the plaque in the restaurants with uh, Ray Kroc founder um, on them. I don't know if you guys noticed that as kids or not, but oh, I yeah. always did. Definitely. And I'd always wondered, you know, the story behind that, who that was. It seems like, you know, Wendy's uh, with uh, Dave Thomas, you know, that he seemed to be out in the open a whole lot more. And of course, that was because he was alive when I was younger. But Ray Kroc, I really didn't know a whole lot about. And of course, McDonald's was a lot more famous. And so I'd always wondered what that story was. And I'd never really heard anything uh, about it until now. And I found this movie to be fascinating. It reminded me quite a bit of actually the Steve Jobs story, except, you know, Ray Kroc didn't get pushed out. Um, but uh, it still reminded me a lot of that, like very shrewd business person trying to make things work and failing quite, quite a lot. And then finally finding someone else's idea, perfecting it, and then pushing those guys out and really making a name from themselves. And so um, for me, the performances were spectacular. Michael Keaton was fantastic. Nick Offerman in a more straight role than I'd seen him uh, recently in. Uh, he was pretty great uh, in, in this. You know, just the whole the whole cast was was really great. I love the cinematography and the directing. You know, it was interesting to me just to kind of experience the, uh, the, the, the opening and the, the beginning and the ending with the kind of, uh, straight talk to the, the camera to make you feel uncomfortable and a little off putted and kind of strange. But I think the tone they really nailed for me of this movie, um, being able to tell a story, telling it well, I don't know. I, I, I found it quite, quite captivating melody and i as was already been said it was our uh, anniversary yesterday and so we went to go see the founder and patriots day in the same day it was a, a double feature of uh, real life events i really i thought the founder was was quite spectacular um it was uh it was uh it was a good movie um so anyway uh, that's all i'll say for right now I, I don't know if we'll get into spoilers or not but i think for the most part it was really well made well acted well directed uh, the director, I just looked up uh, and realized that he directed uh, The Blind Side, Saving Mr. Mm -hmm. Banks, 
and Snow White and the Huntsman. That seems a little strange to me. Uh, One of what? these things is not like the Gotta others. Gotta pay the rent. Gotta pay the rent. Yeah, it's really weird. Wait, he didn't um, direct that. Wait, he, he did. Didn't, so he wrote it. He wrote it. He wrote it. I'm sorry. You're right. You're right. Thank you for thank you for that's correcting. Even worse. Me. Wrote it. Yeah. That's well, yeah. Really, that's no, no better. Strange. Really strange to me because uh, those things do not feel like <laughs> the same. And then he also directed the Alamo. So he directed the Alamo, Saving Mr. Banks, Blindside, The Founder, and he wrote Snow White and the Huntsman. Anyway, so weird. Um, but I thought I thought it was a it was a really solid film. It wasn't spectacular. It wouldn't have made it on my top 10 uh, of last year or even this year, but um, solid film. All right. So Chris was captivated by the founder. Chad, what did you think? Well, I think the one thing that you that's clear is that Michael Keaton is back for sure. I don't not that he was ever anybody ever doubted his ability, but he was gone for for quite a while. Coming back with Birdman and this, this is it's a great performance and it's the one thing that uh you know biopics with me i have a love and and hate relationship with them primarily because after you've seen a certain number of them the template becomes very obvious and the clichés that are often written in to dramatize factual events become very evident and what i liked about this is also what i didn't like about it what i liked about it is that it really was very interested in the minutia of the business and the deal and how things came together and the structure that was put into place you know at the restaurant and it spent a lot of time covering those things yeah. however i like that but because it spent so much time doing that it didn't really get much into the motivations, the why these people are, are the way they are. Didn't have a ton of time to develop, although I think it thinks it did. It didn't, for me, it didn't have a lot of time to develop uh, the characters in a way that I thought was as satisfying. So as a result, I admired this movie a great deal without loving it. And it was written by Robert Siegel, who wrote The Wrestler. Who, which is one of my mm. favorite movies of all time, which is also based around a central performance. And so I was kind of hoping that it would kind of be that level of an expose on this person of Ray Kroc, and it just didn't, it just didn't quite do, get there because it wasn't necessarily interested in that. I agree with Chris, though. The cinematography is, is, is beautiful. I, I, would, I didn't know anything about this story, and so I was very interested in the telling of the story and what was going on. I'm always going to like movies where you have a, a central protagonist Protagonist who is unlikable. And in this case, Michael Keaton is so compelling as an actor that you can't help but root for him and be on his side while at the same time recognizing that as presented, he's a horrible human being. So that gray area is always interesting to me. So overall, I think I'm exactly where Chris is, where I appreciate this. I am actually a little surprised that we didn't get any talk of Keaton, any substantial talk of Keaton uh, snagging an Oscar nomination for this because I think it is of that caliber. But overall, yeah. I think the deficiencies of the movie are probably what kept him from doing that. So overall, a, a strong like, then that's about as, about as good as I can, can do. A strong like from Chad. Josh, do you like it any more? Like it any more than strongly. Well, <laughs> I don't know that I can do that for you. But <laughs> th there were two main things I liked about this movie. The, the first being it's unintended timeliness and I, I say unintended because you know it takes takes years to get all the way through the process of actually making a movie but suddenly in january of 2017 we have this movie that 
by the end of it, we've seen this absolute master of alternative facts um, be presented to us. And this quintessentially American story about this little guy who pulls him up, pulls himself up by the bootstraps. Uh, well, actually, two different little guys' stories. One of them who pulls himself up by his bootstraps by the power of positive thinking, which, by the way, Trump's family went to Norman Vincent Peale's uh, church when he was growing up. Pulling himself up by the bootstraps with positive thinking. And then there's the other little guy who pulled himself up and made something of himself only to be snuffed out by a, an egomaniac. So I think all of these things swirling around in this story were just really, really strange that it was released at this time. But maybe it's more of a more of a timeless American kind of thing that this happens over and over. But anyways, that was one thing. And the other thing was that I really liked was the fact that the movie managed, at least for me, uh, maybe I'm naive about these sorts of things, but it managed to keep me guessing for the most part, there were some, some clear pointers in the other direction, but for the most part I was left wondering about croc. Like, am I going to root for him? Is he a sympathetic character or not? Right up until like, you know, the, the third act of the movie when, when stuff happens. But up until then, it's like, he's, he's doing things that sometimes I don't like, but at the same time, it, it still feels like a little guy story, uh, from his point of view. Yeah. So I found that interesting. Yeah. And we should also, definitely talk about that point in spoilers. Cause I, I'd like to discuss, discuss that is is ray Kroc someone worth rooting for so yeah yeah exactly mm-hmm. also of course that nick offerman can play the straight non-character man and man. still be hilarious like, man yeah he's good he it is good in this he is good he was hilarious yeah and he wasn't supposed to be but or maybe he was i think he was yeah 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 so overall i i did i really enjoyed the movie um i will also give it a strong like Without right. any, of, without any of Chad's reservations about having seen too many biopics and <laughs> hating the template and being Be- jaded, because you haven't seen too many. Biopics. <laughs> All right, hey now we'll get to that. We'll Let, get to that in a minute. Let's be clear. Let's be clear. So Josh is the less jaded one uh, of I don't the evening. This is incredible. This is, this is this incredible. Is amazing. I'm a uh, loving, loving things. He is. <laughs> wow. So yeah, I don't. I don't have a lot to add. You guys covered it pretty well. I feel the same way. Uh, I'm. I'm more in line with Chris and Josh tonight uh, than than with Chad. Uh, yeah, I liked it a lot. I think, of course, it rides on Michael Keaton's shoulders. I think Josh is exactly right in that. Um, you do. You do sympathize with with Croc a lot of the times. I think that's that's because of his performance. He he really he wasn't just pure evil. He he had his reasons for doing what he did as despicable as, as he may have been uh, the, the performance really lets you see inside and see the emotion behind it. Um, but yeah, exactly. Like Chad said, Michael Keaton's back, you know, he's, he's been in back to back best picture winners the past two years. And that's, that's kind of why I thought this, this movie would get more attention. He definitely should have been in, more in the conversation for best actor than he was this year. Uh, but not much outside of Michael Keaton's performance uh, makes this movie stand out to me. Uh, I like everything else in the movie. I don't love much of anything else. I think Nick Offerman's great. Um, everything else is just pretty solid. The story is the most interesting thing because I didn't know it. And so uh, it, it had me uh, guessing what was going to happen. I was, I was very interested in in the whole story. But yeah, the whole everything else is just very good, very solidly good. It's not an amazing movie, but it, it's a really solid biopic. 
And so, uh, yeah, that's what I thought about the founder. The movie has been out for a few weeks now, so it might be too late for you guys to catch it. But I guess we can still, for continuity's sake, go around and uh, and say whether or not uh, our audience should go see this in theaters. So we'll go back to Chris. Chris, should they go see it? Yeah, I mean, if you're interested in biopics, learning a little bit about, you know, a, a very famous restaurant that all of us around the world are familiar with, that's founding and it's start, I think you would find this to be rather fascinating. Yeah, I, I think you should go see it if that, that, that if that's something that you're interested in. If not, you know, honestly, probably you could wait to rent it at home. But I do think it's worth seeing. All right. And Chad, what do you think? Only because I want more of these kinds of movies in theaters would I say go see it in the theater. It's certainly not a movie that you're going to lose much if you see it at home. But from a quality standpoint, I certainly would recommend it and say that it does need to be seen. Okay. And Josh? Ditto to um, everything Chad said. Uh, Support movies like this being in the theaters, uh, but you're not going to miss anything if you watch it on TV. But you should see it. Yep. And same goes for me. All right, so with that, do we do want to go into spoilers then? Yeah. Spoilers, Ray Kroc ruined McDonald's. Do you want me to actually pitch it or was that good enough? Yeah, go ahead. All right, so with that, we'll go into spoilers. The first rule of Fight Club is you do not talk about Fight Club. Well, you look nervous. Is it the scars? You want to know how I got them? But there's so many places it would never occur to a hawk to hide. However, the reason the Führer's brought me off my outs in Austria and placed me in French cow country today is because it does occur to me. Because I'm aware what tremendous feats human beings are capable of once they abandon dignity. And in the dream, I knew that he was going on ahead. And he's fixing to make a fire somewhere out there in all that dark and all that cold. And I knew that whenever I got there, he'd be there. Then I woke up. So, who wants to start? Chris does. No, I just think that's an interesting topic because you, you said you weren't sure until the third act whether or not you know you were supposed to be rooting for Ray Kroc, and you didn't answer that. What did you What did you come away with, Josh? When When you came away with this, what did you say to yourself? Like, boy, what, I mean, I, I, t- tell me what you thought. Oh, he's he's terrible. He ruined the. He's restaurant. terrible. He, well. By his presentation in the third act of the movie, yes, he's terrible. What did he do that was terrible? <laughs> really? Well, here, here's the reason why. Because we're going to talk about biopics. We're going to talk about biopics, and I'm going to just spoil some of my some of the things that are on my list. But you know, you have biopics like Steve Jobs. Was he a terrible person? Yes. Okay, and so was I'm guessing <laughs> Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> Uh, yes, not, I'm not sure that we can just overtly from pronounce the, people terrible. <laughs> so that's the thing. It's, like it's for a me, personal opinion. I'm pretty sure. I, I mean, he he stole from the Winklevoss, you know, twins. That's the Mark Zuckerberg story. You know that that whole. So like, yeah. and again, like for me, like this story was interesting because definitely the the when uh, when you read the summary, Daniel, uh, ruthless is definitely the case. I mean, without a doubt, he saw an opportunity. He took advantage of it. And that meant that he then took the business away from the the, the two the two brothers. But honestly, like watching that movie, I, I was trying to think to myself, like, okay, so the two brothers were and maybe you guys can like maybe you under, read it differently than me. But the two brothers really didn't want to do anything with to do anything with their 
their restaurant. Like they wanted to stay where they were. They wanted to do their own thing there. And if Ray Kroc wanted to go ahead and open up franchises, they would just let him do that and then take on the, the ongoing income from that and do that. But they didn't really want anything to do with the franchising of McDonald's. Is that right? No, that's that- not true at all. No, it's not. Okay. It, well, it's sorry. Maybe the way you presented it um, is true in the fact that they did not set out wanting to franchise franchise the restaurant. Yeah, but, no, they tried, and then they said it doesn't work. Just like everybody else had told him, Ray Ray Kroc, you know, it's not going to work. You know, you're, you know, that's that's a. But if you want to try it, go ahead. But it's not gonna it's not gonna work. If you want to try it, go ahead. But we retain creative control over something that is fundamentally ours, and we came up yes. with, and sure. that. And that is what he stole from them because yeah. he, he had an, an sure. ironclad contract that he even admitted he would lose in court about. Absolutely. But he had too much money so that they could not take Absolutely. their own name back from him. The same and thing. that's why he's terrible. The same. Okay. <laughs> that's why he's terrible. <laughs> terrible person. It doesn't make him a shrewd businessman. It just makes him terrible. Well, uh, look, we don't know him you personally. Could be both. Uh, yeah, but... you could be both. And that's, and that's what, it, the, yeah. I, the thing about this too is I spent a decent amount of time researching the historical accuracy of the movie uh, yeah. after it was over. And truth be told, it is, they went to great pains to make sure that it was accurate. And in real life, the McDonald brothers were not interested in putting any of their personal sweat equity into f- building the franchise. That was pretty evident uh, from, and, from the movie. And they I, actually, I mean, I don't know about the they, refine, they, you know. Yeah, they've gone on. They've, they've been interviewed. They both lived. One of them lived until he was almost 90. And they both said that they had no interest in, in that. And so while watching this movie, while being completely turned off by some of the things that he did, at the same time I had to acknowledge that had he not done that, McDonald's would not be what it is. We wouldn't know no, about McDonald's, not. and so he was the driving force. I think for me, the big thing, which was also actually true, is he reneged for the entirety of those brothers' lives on the 1% handshake deal, mm-hmm. which yeah. would have been worth hundreds of millions of dollars to those brothers. And it, it almost single-handedly destroyed those families' lives because they were so distraught over it, and they had no recourse and they're on record and other people that were in the room have actually been on record as saying that Ray Kroc stood up and said exactly like you see it in the movie one percent and it was actually 1.9 percent one percent each and and the brother played by Nick Offerman in real life actually said that he thought two percent was greedy so they wanted to do (laughs) 1.9 percent and he went on and the main reason that he didn't do it was because like it shows in the movie he wasn't aware that they had excluded the original restaurant in the contract and so in real life when he found out about it it made him so angry that he swore just like he did with his wife that they would never get one penny and so for the rest of their lives they got nothing and so it's one of those things where for me i was kind of on the line of okay this guy is really shrewd he's doing things that i don't agree with but at the same time i understand why he's doing them but that one for me that passes the unforgivable line and that's where when it ended i was like yeah i mean he's he's a because it would seem like when you're a billionaire at that point, you just for old time's sake, you'd go back and, and try to make it right, but he never did. And so that was a thing. I, for me, it was just yeah. one step too far. And, and what seals it is at the end, uh, when they show the clip of the real Ray Kroc saying why he chose the name McDonald's. Um, I had to have it. 
yeah, he just he just had to have the name. And so he he wanted what wasn't his. You know, he could have stolen the, and they they talk about this in the movie. He could have just stolen their whole speedy system and and made his own restaurant, but he had to have the name McDonald's. And so sure, is he a good businessman? Yes. And obviously it worked out well for him. He made billions of dollars, but that doesn't that doesn't mean it's okay or a good thing to do. If I had a million dollars and I, I wanted to just bury it in a hole in my backyard. That doesn't make it okay for somebody to come and steal it from me just because I'm wasting it. You know what I mean? Like, just because the brothers were wasting their, or it could be seen as wasting their opportunity, you know, it's still theirs. And I would even counter the notion that he was a good businessman. BJ Novak's character was the businessman in this movie. He was about to go bankrupt. That's true, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Good point. <laughs> Well, he was a good salesman, yeah. I guess I should say. Yeah. Um, and, and you can't undervalue that because it takes somebody that has that Steve Jobs kind of drive and that personality absolutely. to go out there and do it. And so, absolutely. you know, holistically, B.J. Novak's character could have said, well, you should do this. But there's a long bridge between you should and actually doing. And you can't deny, by all accounts, anybody that ever met the man, he was a force of nature. Yeah, and I mean, he did the work. I mean, like you guys said before, we would not have McDonald's the way we have it right now. We would not have franchising the way we have it right now if it was not for Ray Kroc and that model and and that idea of, and I guess, you know, B.J. Novak's character or whatever, that that, that idea of being able to, because early on in the movie when uh, they had franchised the first couple of restaurants uh, to his friends at the golf club and the friends were, you know, sell, sell, selling fried chicken. And I was just like, well, why doesn't he just take the franchise away from him? I don't understand why he doesn't just do that. And then it was it just, just because I'd always, I just had always thought in terms of he owns everything. Doesn't he, he doesn't he own right. that land. And then I realized later on that that was a part of him becoming who he was or the McDonald's becoming what it is when BJ Novak's character comes in and says, you're not in the hamburger business. You're in the real estate business. You know, that was, that was kind of a, one of those eye opening moments of realizing, oh, okay, this is the moment they realized he could now control the, the, the brand and the company and be able to, you know, if the franchisee was not obeying the rules very easily just say, well, you know, your lease is up. Uh, and, and now we, come in and, and do what we need to do. So that's uh, that's an interesting, that was an interesting point to be able to learn. I really do want to learn more. I'd love to see a documentary about this, just to see the actual people and know more about it. But I was just interested to see what your guys' take on that was. All right, so anything else spoiler-wise we need to discuss? Not like, not like it was a super spoily yeah, movie. Yeah, probably but, not. Uh, <laughs> Twist uh, at the end. He's a super villain. You know, I was... I was surprised that they didn't do something with the plaque. They didn't reference that. I was thinking about that the whole too. time. Yeah, I was too. Space in all these restaurants, and and they didn't even touch on it. So I read yeah. that thing a hundred times as a kid. Yeah, yeah. I, I see. That was the thing. Like I, I was expecting for them to say like he was, you know, he he was such a egomaniac that he wanted right. to have this plaque, you know, um, in his, but they didn't even, they didn't even mention it. That was, yeah. it was a strange moment for me. Yeah. All right. Well, if that's all we have to say, uh, let us know what you think about the founder. If you go see it and we will move right into our top three biopics. Three, two, one, the top three. So we're going to go ahead and count down our top three biopics and chat a little bit about them. So Josh, what would be your number three biopic of all time, Josh? Have you seen three biopics? I know you've seen The Founder. You know what, Chris? <laughs> Getting a little tired of your negativity tonight. That's right. I love you. <laughs> I love you, Josh. Skepticism. It's true. Yes. So 
as is the custom, I have to spend a little bit to talk about how I made my list, and that is how I always make these lists. I googled biopics, and I looked <laughs> at everyone else's lists. Cool. There you go. How I do it. But once I got into it, I realized that biopics are actually something I have a fairly long list of, yeah. of ones right. that I like and ones that I semi-remember at least. What's so, happening tonight? I know. It's, this it's is so weird. Highlight episode. Trump's America. <laughs> <laughs> so I think for number three, and I have... I have very little actual particular order to these. My top one is just going to be one that I liked. But number three is uh, Get On Up about James Brown. You special. Your mama's on no account food. Daddy too. But you ain't going to be. One day, everybody going to know your name. James Brown. So you want to be a singer? Oh, no, sir. What I really want to be? I can't. You got a problem? You do music? The only thing keep me sane in here. Hit it! Every man in this band walked taller because they were James Brown. Are we done, Mr. Bird? I'm afraid not, Mr. Brown. I said, are we done? I think we got more funk than a trunk. <laughs> Wow. Oh yeah. yeah, that's that's pretty good. Boy, yeah, I've forgotten all about that. That's one. a good movie. Right. Yeah, nice, nice, it. Josh. All right, so I, I have a feeling that we're going to be recommending a lot of these movies because I, I have a feeling that a, a lot of people have seen these. So that's a really good pick, Josh. Nice. All right, Daniel, number three, top. What are the things being called? Biopic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My uh, for my list, I tried to mainly stick with movies that are just about well-known figures because yeah. I, I did the same thing that Josh did. Uh, some some people consider some movies that just were based on real events biopics, uh, uh, but but I was thinking sp- like like Into the Wild was on that list, uh, which is one oh. of my favorite movies. But uh, yeah, that was a real guy, but it's, that doesn't seem like a biopic to me. So so I was trying to stick to well-known figures. So. So for number three, I have a recent film that I couldn't stop talking about after I watched it. It was on my top ten list last year. I believe it was number three, if I'm not mistaken, three or four. And that's Love and Mercy about the Beach Boys. Oh, yeah. I knew that was coming up. I'm Boy. surprised it's three. Yeah, and I, have, I haven't seen that one either. So two picks so oh, far. Man. And I haven't seen either one of those movies, guys. And Love and oh, Mercy really? is on- Love no. and Mercy is on Amazon Prime, so okay. if you've got that, you can watch it. I highly, highly, highly recommend it. There's Maybe. not a lot of explosions in that, though, Chris. You need to know that going in. Well, then I'm not interested. Okay. Get on up Thank as a gun or two. For letting me know. I appreciate that. Chad, how about you, man? Number three. Well, for my list, I tried to, same rule as Daniel, I wanted it to actually be about the life of a person. Uh, not just real events. And these are not necessarily objectively the best movies. There's just no way. These are movies that I just had a strong response to. And so my number three is a movie that I'm sure Daniel will remember. I'm not sure about you other guys, but it's uh, La Vie en Rose, which was yeah. um, Edith Piloff's life story. And uh, Marianne Cotillard, I believe, won an Oscar that year for that performance. Mm-hmm. And she was a singer and an artist in France, and it's beautifully shot. It's not a wonderful movie, but her performance is one of my favorite performances by an actress in anything that I've ever seen. It's beautiful and wonderful. And um, so, yeah, so that's my number three. 
I've actually nice. never seen that. So nice. that's, a, that's a great pick. I need to watch it. Yeah, you do. Yeah. I have not seen any of those pictures, any of those films, either <laughs> uh, any three of those movies. That is crazy. All right, this is wow. good. I'm making a list, and I'm excited to be able uh, to uh, to see it. I'm pretty sure all of you have seen this one because um, I like explosions. Um, <laughs> I'm pretty sure there are several explosions in this one. Uh, it's Michael Bay's biopic. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> so many explosions. So many. There are explosions in this one. I, I do believe, though, uh, and that is the King's Speech. Oh, okay. um, yeah. yeah. I. This movie took me by surprise. I think I don't know if we did an episode about this or not. I, I don't know. I can't remember. I, I just remember us needing to go see this movie for some reason, and I wasn't exactly thrilled to go see it. <laughs> but man, it it did it did surprise me, and it was really great. It got a lot of. I know it won or was nominated for several awards. Did it win the uh, Oscar that year? Yeah, I can't remember. Best picture. Yeah. yeah, best picture. Yeah. So like that. It was really good. It, it's a very good film. So the King's Speech is uh, is number three for me. Okay, so awesome let's go movie. back to yeah. I know it was. It's great. Okay, so let's go back to Josh and talk about our number two biopic. How about you, man? Wasn't what is your number two? Well, anticlimactic. That was my number two. Was the King's Speech? Aww. Oh, nice, fantastic. Uh-huh. All right, performance. Colin Firth. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. So good. It was a really great movie. Okay, Daniel, yeah. how about you? Number two, I had to throw a very fun movie in there. That's Catch Me If You Can. Welcome to Miami Mutual Bank. How may I help you? I'd like to cash this check here, and then I'd like to take you out for a steak dinner. (laughs) Are you a real-life pilot? I sure am, little lady. The jumpsuit is open. It's been a while since I've done this. Which one's the jumpsuit again? Dr. Connors to the ER. Dr. Connors to the ER. Great All right. movie, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I I thought about that one, but it didn't make my my list. Chad, what's about- up? Yeah, it does. Yeah, it's been a while since I've seen it, but I remember really loving that movie. All right, how about you? Uh, how about you, Chad? My number two biopic is one that I did not enjoy watching, but it was my number one movie for that year in 2013, and that is 12 Years a Slave. Nice. Steve McQueen. It's a horribly difficult movie to watch, but it is, um, in my opinion, it's it's borderline masterpiece and just a, a, a seminal movie uh, related to slavery and this one man's journey through that experience. So, yeah, 12 Years a Slave. Nice. All right. Let me see here. I wanted to just check a quick a quick fact before I gave. Now, it's true. All three of my films were nominated for Best Picture. Uh, my number two biopic was Braveheart. I came back home to raise crops and, God willing, a family. Pick a flock of your finest assassins and set a meeting. My lord, Wallace is renowned for his ability to smell an ambush. <laughs> Would you be willing for one chance, just one chance, to tell our enemies that they may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom? All uh, right. Okay. Man, such a good movie. It's been a while since I've seen it again, but man, that 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 ugh, I love I love the ending of that film. It is really fantastic. So for number 2 for me is Braveheart. Great I just pick. watched that 2 days ago. That was a it's, a it's a good movie. Yeah, no, absolutely. Did I skip you, Josh? No, no we're we're about to do number 1. You're number 1. All right, Josh. What is your number one biopic? Well, I'm I'm glad you've already brought it up. Uh, my number one was Steve Jobs, Aaron Sorkin's rendition. Wow! Just because really? you know, okay. you know, Aaron Sorkin. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. No, that's a that's that's a great film. That's that's great. All right, awesome. Steve Jobs. Daniel, what is your number one biopic? My number one should have won Best Picture in the year that it was nominated. It is gripping and it's hilarious as well. Uh, and that's The Social Network. Yes. I love that movie so much. You know, nice. I saw that in lists and I thought about putting that on mine too. And I was like, is that really? Because it only covered such a small part of his life. I wasn't sure whether I wanted to give yeah. it credence, but it was yeah. a very good movie. Yeah, but it's, I, I think that's, that counts as a biopic. Absolutely. There are no we'll rules. We'll talk here. about why I think that. No, 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 there are no rules. But Chad, how about you? What is your number one? My number one biopic is actually a documentary, and oh, of course. Uh-huh. Why didn't I think of that? Why didn't uh-huh. I think of that? And I don't feel like that counts. It does right. count because it's a documentary about a man's it's life. About a person. It's about a person. Mm-hmm. And there's I don't a know mo- about that. Hey, shh. My rules. No rules. We're all here. <laughs> it's Trump's America. Um. <laughs> And so that is Man on Wire. Impossible, impossible, impossible. He said, well, I want to, I want to string a wire between the, the two World Trade Center towers. I knew he was a nut or a con man or something. As a child, I love to climb. Nobody could stop me. If you want something, nothing is impossible. He told me he was a French journalist. It's impossible, that's sure. So let's start working. There's 200 feet between the towers. And there were going to be some guys in the North Tower. The whole idea would be that Jean-Louis would send the arrow from one building to another. What? We just weren't ready. Ma'am. I didn't want to be liable for the death of a friend. There was a movie made out of this that I did not like. But the documentary, however, in 2008, which did win the Academy Award for Best Documentary that year, is absolutely breathtaking the fact that this happened and the way that it happened it's one of the most exhilarating cinematic experiences that i've ever had so if you have not seen the documentary from 2008 it's james marsh man on wire go and get it it's fantastic nice all right and so my number one biopic i totally agree with daniel and that would be the social network number one nice. for me i really like that and the opening sequence uh the opening scene uh is incredible i don't know if we ever shared it on our facebook page but we really should uh just the the breakdown of that opening scene and how powerful aaron sorkin's dialogue can be uh, and how it's yeah. a, a dance and it actually conveys a whole lot of meaning just how he writes is just incredible um so i loved the social network uh it is it is really well made on every level i think the, everyone from the writer to the director the cinematographer all firing and the actors all on all their cylinders it is really just a great film so the social network is number one for me so what did we miss Let's talk about our honorable mentions. Josh, what were your honorable mentions that we didn't you didn't get to on your top three? So I just figured I'd cap off an extraordinary episode tonight. I never have honorable mentions. For this category, I have honorable mentions a mile long. It's I know, yeah, I'm sure you so, did. Everyone, you're welcome. Now, two of them on my list uh, we've already brought up, 12 Years a Slave and The Social Network, were, were definitely contenders. Um, also, a couple that we didn't mention... Walk the Line, uh, Joaquin Mm -hmm. Phoenix as Johnny Cash. It's a great performance. It's on my list as well. Also, Philip Seymour Hoffman in Capote. Uh And Sean Penn in Milk gave a great performance. Uh, 
Yeah, gotcha. I'm still bitter about that though because he took the Oscar away from uh, from, <laughs> from the wrestler. Who? What's his name? Oh, Mickey Rourke. Mickey Rourke. Yeah. Mickey Rourke. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, Milk that's is true. great and that performance is good, but Mickey Rourke, man, he should have got it. Whatever. Yeah. That's yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, da- Daniel. What about what are your runners up? Yeah, I had Walk the Line, uh, and then Amadeus is fantastic. Oh yeah. Uh, oh my and, gosh, yeah. Uh, the Fighter. I love The Fighter. That's a great movie. Great. And The Aviator, A Beautiful Mind. Yeah, lots of good ones. Oh, yeah, A Beautiful Mind. It's funny. A Beautiful Mind it. made Rolling Stone's list of worst biopics. What? Really? <laughs> it won Best Picture. Yeah, and, and they were like, that's the second biggest travesty after Crash. And I immediately fell wow. in love with the writer of that article. What? The second biggest travesty after Crash is Shakespeare in Love over yes. Saving, Saving Private, Private Ryan. Ryan. Okay, yes. okay. Yeah, that is absolutely the case. But that wasn't you? a, or was it a biopic? That's true. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, let's see here. Chad, what about you? What are your runners up? I had three. Uh, one's already been mentioned, Amadeus, for sure. As is known, I have several copies of that movie on DVD and Blu-ray if you'd like to borrow one. A movie that not a lot of people like, but that to me had some of the most beautiful moments in it uh, is a movie called The Lovely. It stars Kevin Kline. Anybody seen that movie at all? I, I remember. No. I never saw it, but I remember when it was out. It came out in 2004. And so uh, it's it's wonderful. Um, and then another one, which is kind of teetered on biopic because it is kind of singularly focused on one event, but it's a movie that I love, and that's Captain Phillips. Great movie. Oh, yeah. Great movie. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah it really was. It was. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think most of mine uh, were already mentioned. There's not really a whole lot to go into. I mean, definitely Steve Jobs was on that walk the line so yeah i think uh those are all really great picks and like i said before if you're listening to this and we missed one uh let us know uh we would uh, we'd love to hear from you you're listening to the screeners podcast and that's it for another episode of the screeners as chris said at the beginning of the show and i think a couple other people said you know several times please join us on our facebook page for discussion about this episode upcoming episodes and any news that we feel like spreading between now and then. Join us next time when we'll be talking about, yes, the Lego Batman movie. And maybe we'll let Chris talk about John Wick 2. We haven't decided yet, but he's really excited. So if we don't let him, there might be a problem. Morpheus and Neo. Yes, Chris. See you next time. And that's a wrap. You've heard what the screeners had to say. Now you be the critic. Head over to ScreenersPodcast.com and let us know what you think. See you next time.